We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Feel like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Day and More NBA podcast brought to you by Prize Picks coming at you Wednesday morning. It's January 31st, and we have Chris Hine from the Star Tribune with us today, who wrote a very uh, well done and interesting Nikhil Alexander Walker feature story uh, for for Sunday's paper. I always love the first feature on a on a new player. I feel like it it gets everybody like, oh, this guy has like a. A personality? A personality. <laughs> exactly. And Nikhil, right, Nikhil yeah. very much does, though, is very sheltered. We'll get into that. Yeah. Um, again, I got Chris here. Congratulations to your San Francisco 49ers. That's right. That's right. Never in doubt. Brock Purdy. Yeah, right. That's Brock Purdy, a- it's never in doubt. <laughs> uh, uh, Twice uh, now. Never in doubt. Never in doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, uh, we, got a, we got a while here until the actual Super Bowl. We were just talking before. We're going to do like some sort of competition for Super Bowl Sunday with Chris and Jace and Kyle and myself uh, with prize picks or something like that. We'll figure out that out next week. Uh, but uh, that's that that's coming up for you. Also, I don't know if everybody knows this. I certainly know this. You're a big Grammys guy. What do you? That's that's your other Super Bowl. That's well, it's like the, the it's like weird. It's like the Grammys are my Super Bowl. The Emmys are my Oscars, and the Super Bowl itself is like the Emmys. If you can follow okay. that logic. Yep. Yeah. Basically, what about the Tonys? Where's your EGOT? Tonys are the Tonys for me. That's that's just just it. Um, Actually, no. Emmys are the Super Bowl. Uh, Grammys are the Oscars. Super Bowl is the Emmy. Yeah. That's what threw me off. Yeah. 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 You're always good at you're always good at predicting this stuff. Like. I mean, we don't. Have, I, you, you Kyle, listen, we should have <laughs> Kyle on and, and ask him how much money he won two years ago when I yep. told him to bet Silk Sonic for record and song of the year when nobody was predicting it. I'm like, yep. you, you should look into this. And I put it out there on Twitter. It was free. It was free money for anybody that was observing my Twitter account. Well, what do you day. got now? Come on. We've lost people a bunch <laughs> of money on here. In other ways. <laughs> We are going with Miley Cyrus for record and song of the year. I think you could still get her. I want to say the Gold Derby website had her at like five to one odds or something like that. If I was if I was betting this year, I don't I don't actually don't bet myself. I don't I don't like it, but I, I will suggest for other people that do. I have suggested going with Billie Eilish and covering your your butt with uh, uh or 
Miley Cyrus and Billie Eilish in Record and Song of the Year, putting money on both of them. Because you're guaranteeing that one of those two. I'm I'm 99% certain that one of those two is winning Record and Song of the Year. So, like, money on both of them, and you're good. I I can, I've known Chris for a long time now, and, you know, we have a lot of... uh, sitting around in media rooms together time mm-hmm. which you know like for the first like october through december i mean chris are often doing similar things when we're sitting around in our killing time time which is looking at our fantasy yes. teams. <laughs> um but i can vouch for chris that he is very very much studies this stuff and and you have been right we've done this we've done this sitting around uh, yeah. many times before if you if you are tracking it, you know. Um, yep. A couple of years ago, I recommended uh, putting money on Billie Eilish in record and song of the year um, when nobody was predicting her. And she won one of them. So you would have won money sure. because she did win record of the year. Um, and yeah, this is the Grammys. What, are what's very the logic though? Like, what it, you like? I feel like normally Grammys, you're like, it's the, going to be this because of this. The Grammys are just very predictable. There's there's a little bit science and there's a little bit intangible just kind of qualities. I've always watched the Grammys. In the major awards, they always go for a certain style of artist. They tend to be white, which is a huge criticism of the Grammys over the years. I mean, it is really bad. Like their track record of awarding black artists in the RB, hip hop fields of the general field is atrocious um but if you you can use that knowledge to try and win money um there's like a you know uh, people that that have kind of live instrumentation in their music that don't use samples Mm. um that's very frowned upon by the academy voters that makes Um, sense i think and yeah like Artists that are viewed more as like authentic kind of singery, songwritery types. Sure. Billie Eilish being one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Bruno Mars being another one of them. <clears throat> um, Taylor Swift being one of them. So you can, that's in the general field. In the genre categories, it's all over the map. Um, but in the general field, that tends Harry Styles winning album of the year last year. You can kind of, See a through line in a lot of the things that win these these awards. Also white. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's a shameful, shameful thing of the Grammys that that like in years where there have been like these great rap albums or these great R and B albums, like U two is winning like their third record sure. of the year in five years or something mm-hmm. like that back in the 2000s. I'm not that I'm bitter about you two beating Mariah Carey yeah. for <laughs> uh, song of the year and green day beating her first record of the year and you two beating her for album of the year in 2006. I'm not, I'm, I'm not bitter at all about that. I, I don't remember. I don't even remember what the songs and albums were quite frankly. Um, not at all. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, you go through Grammy's history and it's it's bad. It's just bad. Huh. So yeah. Okay. Well, we have we have Chris's predictions, and that's this. Mm-hmm. That's Super Bowl one this Sunday. That's Super right. Bowl two for the Niners uh, coming up next February eleventh. Actually, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Following Niners mm-hmm. having a Super Bowl party. Um, let's talk about this Nikhil Alexander Walker story and um, 
we, you know, we've talked about Nikhil, both particularly us two, just kind of been like intrigued by him from day one, kind of first as a person, um, and then second as a basketball player. Because if we do wind back to the trade deadline of last season, um, Nikhil was one pretty clearly like a throw-in salary match, but like a like a flyer piece, right? In the right. trade, um, which led to not having he didn't come in with a specific role. It was kind of like in and out after after the trade deadline. And there's like the all-star break. And then he slowly, slowly ramped up his role. Obviously we know what happened in the play in the playoffs. He was a he was a huge he was a huge actual basketball piece. But I was just interested in sort of his actually his story back then because if we remember back to his draft class, like he was that dude in the draft class that all the draft people like loved. You know, it's the it's the body type, it's the mm-hmm. wingspan, it's the he fits the mold of the evolution of the the guard position, and and a lot of really smart basketball people uh, were on that, and it it didn't work out in in New Orleans. And what is often the case, and what we often don't figure out for for years down the line, is it's it's often not about the the basketball stuff that kind of defines that temporary sort of derailment at the beginning of the career that, that Nikhil uh, experienced, you know, individually. He, he talked in, in your story basically about how he was kind of hard to be coached back then. Um, he was, it, that was, some of that was on him. There was also a lot of different coaches in his time in, in New Orleans there. And it was just then it led to, you know, some chaos and being traded and moved around from Utah uh, or a brief stint in Portland there. You know, it was right. he was bouncing around and the bouncing around continued. And again, uh, 12 months ago when he came to, to Minnesota and kind of the lead of your story was about how that idea of the move to Minnesota was terrifying to him. And that's an interesting juxtaposition, given how 12 months later, he's totally I mean, Totally, but very much found a path to be moving on that is believable. That makes him, you know, kind of seem like a a player who's going to have a 10, 12 year career, maybe more in in this league now Um, than a a credit to him. But I think what's behind making those jumps and those leaps and that growth is is interesting. And you did a a, a good job of digging into it. Maybe we can just start with the, the terrified part. Uh, yeah. What was that like talking to him and why was it terrifying to him to, to come to Minnesota? Yeah. So was, there was a lot going on kind of in his mind at that time. He's not getting minutes on a rebuilding team. He's in the last year of his deal. You know, this is the time when, you know, you might be out of the league because you're trying to get a new contract and mm-hmm. other people are coming into the league to, you know, replace you, you know, getting traded to a playoff team or a team with playoff aspirations. Can you crack their rotation? Do they, do they need you, you know, or were you just filler in this, in this trade? Um, And you're playing for a coach who you think might have a different idea of who you are as a player now based on your rookie season. So it's a whole lot going on. Right. Um, And you've got, what two months to try and prove yourself right? before you're a free agent before you're a free agent essentially so that's a lot to handle for somebody in their career and you're and you're moving to a new place you know you you don't know anybody all new teammates it's the whole the whole thing right 
And so there's a lot going on in his head at that point in time. Um, but I think one of the things that struck me upon meeting him for the first time, I remember it was, it was in Memphis that it was his and Mike's first game with the team um, after the trade. And I remember seeing him at his, at his locker and he just pulled out a book and started reading. And I was like, well, that's interesting. Um, you know, you don't, you just don't see that every day. Most, most guys are uh, listening to music or they're scrolling through their phones or they're, you know, not, not often do you see, there's some guys on the team that'll, that'll be, that'll also be kind of pulling up a book. Rudy, like, Rudy has, books, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Rudy has books at his locker as well. Um, but Nikhil said he really started to do it, you know, early last season when he wasn't getting time in Utah. And this was just a way for him to kind of get his mind right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and prepare for his opportunity. Should it come around again, never came around again in Utah really, but it came around in Minnesota. Um, and so he was kind of ready for it um, and in a better, in a better kind of space and, and uh, just had a different mindset from his rookie season um, when he said he was very uh, hard headed. Right. It It's um, so I, I had seen him right. Having the book and you and I had talked about books and had him, you know, we've talked about that before. Yeah, I didn't know until reading your story how much it's almost like a consumption of him is mm -hmm. is reading. It's almost it almost feels like a, a place or seems like a place he feels he needs to go to, you know, to to kind of compartmentalize his life a little bit. That was the, the read I was getting of like, um, I'm working. And when I'm not working, I'm doing this. And obviously, you know, he's he has family and, the, and those sort of things, too. And I understand that's a third compartment that, you know, you didn't dive into that much and <laughs> understood. Like, that's that's there, too. But it, it was just mm -hmm. interesting to see him or be able to envisualize, en envision him sort of, okay, I'm working. And then turning the page, I'm in my book. And I'm calming down doing that. And he's doing it on the, the training table. He's doing it at his locker. He's doing it on the bus. He's doing it on the train train or plane <laughs> i don't know did they take a did they take a train to they're on they're on planes yeah no they, they they're they're you flying. took a train you took i a took train. a train they flew <laughs> we I recorded this early i messed up like yes. six words already um, <laughs> but but, ba but basically it, like the book became like where again where where guys again you might be at their locker scrolling through social media or yep. whatever he does not want to be on social media that much Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he, he does have, you know, he's on Instagram and I, I don't know if it's him posting stuff, but, you know, he, he is active on Instagram and things mm -hmm. like that. But I think the the mindless scrolling that we right. all tend to do yeah. is something that he really wanted to eliminate from his daily routine. Mm -hmm. So in those instances where you and I might otherwise be tempted to pull out our phones and start scrolling through Twitter or Instagram, he's pulling out his book yeah. and he's reading a couple pages or a couple paragraphs in the five, 10 minutes where he's killing time in the locker room or on the training table or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like that's what his habit has become. It's like, don't pull out your phone and go on social media, pull out your book and read. That's, that's kind of what it's become. Yeah. It, it, it was funny. Like initially the way you were framing it in the story, I was like, man, this kind of sounds exhausting. Like he's doing, <laughs> he's doing nothing but working and reading. 
And then, and then you said the I mean, that's not to say part. that's like he's he's like not going home and no. like watching a movie. No, or no, no. Something, I'm saying you know, I like, misconstrued yeah. it. I, I misconstrued yeah, it. Yeah, I was like, okay, it almost sounds like an obsession. But then you realize it's a replacement for all the other BS, like right. scrolling right. on you know on Instagram or I mean it's whatever. Like you said, how much time do all of us waste just like in the in the nothingness of the like the. This is so marginally valuable time we spend on our phones just looking at dumb stuff, you know, rather than, I mean, it just seems like an efficiency play to him. He's like, okay, I know what that gives me. I know what I was doing with my dead time. And I know that I've read a book or I've read a few books yeah. and I found that time to be more productive. And he just like said, I'm going to just try and sprinkle that in and fill in all the cracks in my day-to-day -day of work, which... They have weird jobs, right? So much of the time is mm -hmm. on tables, is on planes, not trains, and all that, where you just have a lot of, like, killing time time to to do. And I, I thought that was interesting. And I think it's so, uh, it's, like, so representative of what I understand, like, his ethos to be as a, just, like, a player, just from observing him. I remember when we were in Boston a couple weeks ago at that game, I was sitting out there before watching like everybody warm up not everybody warm up at the time it was Nikhil alexander walker and troy brown jr were on the floor warming up and i remember being like and mike conley wasn't playing in that game and i was gonna, like take a video or like tweet something out of being like you know Nikhil alexander walker looks like super ready super dialed and focused like look you know <laughs> look for him to deliver whatever yeah. but then i was like and that was the weird back-to-back -back from Orlando to Boston. They flew in that day. I was I was genuinely impressed by how locked in Nikhil Alexander-Walker looked in that time. Mm -hmm. But I didn't send it out because I was like, I see Nikhil do this every day. Every yeah. game I'm at, every, every, every bit of exposure I have to the, like, unseen time of Nikhil Alexander, it always, Alexander-Walker, it always looks like that. And um, that has so much stood out to me in the brief time that that I've covered him and just like the I guess the person in me or the person in me that's cheering for these other just people as people um it's so cool for me to know that this is the type of person and focus he's had as a 24 25 year old and that it's paying off it is he is an extremely consistent basketball player um has been the, this season and it's hard to not connect some dots to being like he is as night to night consistent as he is almost because of the way he's adapted this lifestyle and focus off the floor too. I just I just think it's uh, super cool. It's it's a it's a great story. You know, you don't see this every day, right? Right. You don't see somebody come in as kind of the the almost the afterthought of a trade like that and mm -hmm. really carve out a future and a role with sure. that, with that team. I mean, how often in the NBA does that actually happen? Very, sure. very rarely. Um, and, you know, I think seeing him play backup point guard, essentially in Mike's absence at times this month um, and, and get that start to me, it's, it's actually changed how I kind of view the needs of this team mm -hmm. uh, moving forward. I think sure. with him, I think they can survive if like, if Mike Conley were to be out for an extended period of time, hmm. I think he could do okay. 
filling in and, and you could put your eggs in one and, and put your eggs in one of the other baskets that you might need mm-hmm. at the trade deadline here you know and and I've I think I've advocated for shooting um previously here I would I would rather have a have a shooter slash scorer mm-hmm. um than I would have, I think a backup point guard right now for the rest yeah. of the season and that's in part because I think Nikhil has shown that he can do a decent enough job in that role um, to to get them through. Yes. No, uh, ab- absolutely. Like, that's part of my – I was saying that, I think, yesterday with Chase, where it's like I just can't get him – I'm not saying backup point guard isn't a quote-unquote need on this team. I can't put it as the number one need – for this team you. and yeah. given the limited assets it's it's hard to make the the case for it i want i want to keep talking about Nikhil a little bit more in in the context of your story and just kind of how good he's been this year let's grab our our first uh our first break here today's show is uh brought to you by falling knife brewing company um they have obviously the the wolves mavs game this evening uh wolves magic on friday wolves rockets on sunday that is a obviously a place for you all who are listening to go to those games. If you are not, I'm going to be attending them in person. They've been getting uh, good, good crowds to, to come out and watch those games. So as always, there's a Wolves game. Falling Knife is going to be showing it uh, with the sound on. But we also want to let you know that they are having that Super Bowl party. Um, it's $50. All you can eat from Rectangle Pizza, which it has Rectangle Pizza. It has nachos, all kind of those Super Bowl type of foods. Uh, that's $50 all you can eat, plus you get a pitcher of beer or two uh, craft beers, I guess, two pints that you can have there, too. So if you're looking, I mean, it's, what are we, 11 days away <clears throat> from the Super Bowl and you're making Super Bowl plans, consider Falling Knife for that. And if you want to sign up and get tickets uh, in advance, go to at Falling Knife BC on Instagram and you can, the link is in their bio there. And you can you can get yourself some tickets for that. So that's Falling Knife Brewing Company for Wolves games, but also consider it for uh, for the Super Bowl for, for Super Bowl that's Sunday. That's, that Super Bowl deal sounds really nice. Kind of wish I was in town for it. Where are you going to be? I'll be in Los Angeles. The Wolves play the Clippers the next day. Ah, there yeah. you go. Okay, yeah, okay. So I got to make some plans for Los Angeles and figure out where the hell I'm going to watch it out there. Yeah, you're not going to just be like the weirdo who just is in his room like in the dark like sweating and well listen that that is an option <laughs> it's on the table <laughs> i'm not going to say it's not the idea of just me being alone with my thoughts in a room watching the super bowl is is actually kind of appealing in some ways i'm not going to lie um so uh, well, we'll see how that goes no matter no matter what happens um I will be in Portland the the day after that, and me and me and I and as will Kyle be at those games. So we will celebrate or uh, console you uh, based yes. on what happens in that game. Uh, also, just uh, quickly here, today's show is also also brought to you by um, Prize Picks, PrizePicks.com. Uh, you can go to or download the Prize Picks app. Uh, it is daily fantasy, uh, so different options to to put down uh, some bets on on projections there. Uh, $100 sign-up bonus if you use the promo code Dane. What I have up on the screen now is, as we are kind of moving away from football, obviously we've kind of focused on that a lot with prize picks. But there are these NBA, um, they have NBA projections uh, every night too. Right now up on the screen, like I have all the Wolves props for tonight's game against uh, Dallas. You can just see Ant here. 
Ant his numbers, his projections are set at 27 and a half points, five rebounds, five and a half assists, two and a half made threes. You can kind of, you know, put that together, which ones you like, uh, or, you know, you like him to go have more than that or less than that, and maybe put that together with a couple other, maybe a Dallas player that you think is going to play a lot because apparently all their good players are out or resting out. in this game. But yeah, Ant, Jaden, Cat. Uh, Rudy, they all have a bunch of different props up there for tonight. So if you listen to this Wednesday afternoon, go check that out at uh, prizepicks.com or the PrizePicks app. And if you want to create an account, uh, use promo code Dane for a $100 sign-up bonus. All right, Chris, let's uh, let's keep talking about uh, Nikhil a little bit. I, I want to maybe any other anecdotes from that story too. But I also want to more broadly talk about Nikhil in, in the context of uh, just the Wolves bench, which has been an interesting sort of uh, it, adventure this season. I guess maybe fusing those two things together. What else from your story has led you to understand why Nikhil Alexander-Walker has been as effective as a basketball player uh, as he has been this year? He's trying to declutter his mind on the court, which is kind of an interesting juxtaposition. Mm-hmm. That he's reading all this stuff and like putting a lot of information in his mind, yeah, in the hope that he can free his mind when he plays. Because Finch, you know, when I talked to Finch for the story, um, and you know, even Akil himself, it's like you know, there's a tendency there to overthink things and to always be wanting to kind of analyze a moment or a situation or, or what have you. Um, but one of the goals of, of this is he's learned to just kind of be freer, just play, mm-hmm. um, trust your instincts, trust your work, trust your preparation. Um, and I think that's that's certainly helped him, especially when it comes to shooting. Like, just sure. don't don't try not to think about it too much. Just you've you put up you, know, you put in the work, you put up so many shots and and just trust it when when the moment comes and i think that's that's helped him a lot uh and you know finch i think on the other uh, you know he sees that and you know one of the things that obviously you know Nikhil thought finch was going to be like you know think of him as a certain way but finch was very open-minded i think it's worth noting you know when Nikhil got here in the trade and, mm-hmm. and was just like you know i want to i remember him from new orleans obviously i want to see what's what's here and and you know it wasn't like he was you know, like, oh, this guy, I remember him. I'm just going to shove him at the end of the bench and we're never going to use him. You know, it was like, oh, but I I remember there being a lot of potential there in Nikhil. And so let's see what, let's see what's there. And so Finch got him into that role, which, you know, he's just taken a run with. Well, that, that was interesting. The Finch quotes are really interesting to me um, in that, they painted some of what the confusion was with Nikhil and of why he didn't have that early career success in New Orleans. Right. There was, but the quote was Finch, he was getting a lot of mixed signals as to yeah. like what they wanted him to be. And what Finch said in the story was this is kind of what they, what he always envisioned <clears throat> Nikhil being at least at first, which was somebody who was going to make his bones on defense and be able to make open spot shots which i i that's exactly who Nikhil alexander walker uh, has has been this season um and and i think at, at thinking back to then 
what I think that means is initially there was kind of this vision of of him being maybe a lot more than that. I mean, what Finch is describing is starting as a role player and stacking skills on top of that. Much of the same mm-hmm. way he talked about Jaden McDaniels in when he got here uh, and Jaden's rookie year, second year, that those times early on in his career. It's like start out as a role player, stack skills on top of that. I think in New Orleans, the almost like role player would have been underwhelming to them. So they aimed at something different and higher and there was more of the creation and playmaking and decision-making and the turnovers were high and getting to the basket and finishing was, was often ineffective. You would see flashes. I mean, he had like a 40 some point game, I think, or maybe it's like 39. I remember looking up one time earlier this year in that rookie season uh, when the, when the Pelicans played the Clippers and was like, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and those sort of things. So were there, there was these flashes from Nikhil Alexander-Walker in his college tape and even early on when he was getting an opportunity that he could maybe be something more, mm-hmm. but it was so erratic and so not bankable that I, I really like the approach, and I've said this, you know, Finch aside, of I, I actually do think there's something, when I watch Nikhil Alexander-Walker, that hints at him being able to be more of as a playmaker down the line but starting where they've started with him and establishing the role and slowly adding marginal things to his game that we're you know we are seeing more and more particularly when he starts in place with Mike Conley it just feels like the right thing for the player the right thing for the team and the most likely way to kind of squeeze every drop out of what is only a player making four and a half million dollars, you know, yeah. four and a half million next year. Like he's on a cheap contract. I, I, I like Finch's vision there. Uh, mostly, I guess, just because personally uh, I share it, but it helps for me to clarify why this was more of a meandering road for Nikhil uh, in his time. Yeah. You know, you come in as a first round pick and there's just the burden of expectations. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to, the front office wants to look like they made the right pick, you know, you don't want to, you know, when you, when you, when you, where was he picked the draft? I, I escaped I, home mid, mid first round, like right? 17th sound, right? Right, I right. That up before, but it's like, it's like, it's not exactly, it's not, not a lottery pick, but it's also not like a throwaway pick, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you no, want to, no. you want to return an investment on the 17th pick and you hope that it's more than a bench rotation guy, but mm-hmm. sometimes that's what it ends up being. Yeah, and that's seven. Yeah, and that's oh, not the worst. And that's not the worst thing in the world. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. But to a franchise, when you have a first round pick, it's like, oh, this is our guy. You know yeah. how many, and you know how many you parade them in the offseason. Like this is our first round pick this year. We have such high hopes for them. We think they can do this. We got this, him at a great this, value. This, yeah, we got yeah. him at a great. We would have taken him at at eight if he was there. That's like you know? Leonard like, Yeah, right, right. Right. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think. Uh, I think it's actually a great comparison. Like all of, uh, you know, the Wolves front office was on the record, you know, pumped about getting Leonard Miller when they got him, they traded up to go get him. And, you know, they were basically saying like, we thought he was like a 17th overall pick. You know, they like thought he was right. a, a fringe lottery guy and got him. But just because you love the value of where someone was picked, which I think New Orleans loved it, doesn't mean they can immediately deliver on, on that. They might be, right you know, more of a you know, quote unquote project. And it's, it's something to, to develop down the line. And I, maybe that's to the Leonard Miller point. 
Like they're, you know, they're not playing him at all this year. They're, and obviously part of that's being on a good team, but a lot of it is like, we want him. We don't necessarily want him to learn trial by fire. Right. Right. And, and instead develop the, uh, you know, just like the basic skills to start at rather than kind of being thrown into being something more than you are at, at 19. And, and, and I think that's just ultimately what happened in Akil. He was thrown into being something more than at that age, at that time he was, he was ready to be and thus had to make all these sort of big life changes and mentality changes. So as to get back on the, on the track that he is, he is on right now. Chris, I was looking up uh, just, Defensive estimated plus minus, which I think is just a, the best like catch all sort of stat of a, a ranking. I really appreciate or, it. With defense. Or, or as we call it in the nerd community, Depum. Depum. There you go. Depum, yes. 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 And uh, Nikhil is is 98th percentile in mm-hmm. in defensive estimated plus minus and has been uh, for for most of the season. Yes. Um, yes. 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 All right. uh, actually, the highest. So the most impactful defensive player on the team. Uh, according to that metric, mm-hmm. which, you know, obviously I think we all know it's Rudy Gobert. Rudy's like slightly there uh, behind him, but I don't think that means that this stat is necessarily, um, you know, over-exaggerating who Nikhil Alexander Walker is. And I think about it a lot of like, normally I always look at this when I'm thinking about like all defensive team at the end of the year. And is there like a random guy who kind of, maybe I haven't seen a lot of, or they come off of someone's bench, but they might end up squeezing on to that all defensive second team. I'm not saying that's Nikhil for sure, but it reminds me a lot of Alex Caruso. And that's kind of like once he okay. got to Chicago and, and what that was, he, you know, he started a little bit and sometimes he like weirdly plays point guard. Um, but that's not like totally what his skill set is. You're just like, we want to have him on the floor. We like what he, what he, uh, you know, creates for us. And even though he's not a perfect point guard, we're going to still play him at point guard sometimes. And I think, man, Alex Caruso is probably going to get traded for some pretty good value at at the trade deadline because he's at a, on like an eight, $9 million contract. And I think that's, uh, that's where I think we're seeing Nikhil, what we're seeing Nikhil start to be, to become it's, you see it night to night on the eye test, right. Of just watching him work his butt off defensively and be smart. But, the impact too in the numbers is is very much there, and for the Wolves to kind of out of nowhere pluck themselves a Alex Caruso who maybe has some upside to be a little bit more offensively, I mean it's just a it's a huge win. It's that that whole trade has been a huge <laughs> a huge win right. uh, for this team, um, and you know like you said, I think you tweeted out the other day. It's like Nikhil's next deal is what. Million a year, maybe. Yeah, I might have he, exaggerated he, that a little bit, said, but no, but but definitely yeah, I, probably more than double what he's making now. Exactly. You know, like like if you continue on this trajectory, mm-hmm. um, I, I was thinking of it in the like sense that he'll probably get like the mid level exception, and yeah, you know, like yeah, and, yeah, and, sure, and so yeah. I I said fifteen, and and some people are like, well, that's more than mid level mid level exception. So a team you're right, you're right. Cap probably, he probably would be a mid level guy. So like, but like 13. I, I yeah, don't yeah. think I don't think it's crazy that some team, you know, whatever, two years from now that doesn't have any cap space but has their mid level exception would be like, you know, we need a defensive piece to our group that can hit some spot shots. 
we've seen a lot of guys like that. You know, the PJ Tuckers, whatever, over the years, or even Alex Caruso got the majority of the mid-level exception back then. Um, I, I think that's the next step, you know, for, for Nikhil, so long as he's able to sustain this. And I really am at the point of, like, I'd be... I wouldn't be surprised if Nikhil has a bad month shooting threes, you know, here or there sure. over the next couple of years. Happens. Um, I don't think he's a pure, pure, like bankable, bankable three-point shooter. But he shoot 37% this year on volume. We've seen him, that number kind of go up and up. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it is crazy to say that Nikhil Alexander-Walker is going to be making, as the cap kind of goes up, 10 to $13 million a year on, on his his next contract. And most people are like, Oh no, like that means we're going to have to let him go. I mean it from the sense of you got a dude who I think is worth $10 million right now. Who's yeah. playing for four and a half on a team that is in major cap trouble. That's a, yeah. that's a big win. If you're, especially for next year, if you're trying to keep this together in some way, shape or form, we don't, obviously we don't know what next year is going to look like. Um, but <laughs> you could use somebody who's making four and a half million dollars as like a spot starter, six man kind of role. Like that's, totally. that's incredible, incredible value. Um, no matter what your cap situation looks like, um, next season. Today's show is brought to you by Dewar. That's D U E R. And why I like to wear Dewar is because when I'm choosing what to wear, the key is to be comfortable. That's why I'm loving my Dewar jeans. Dewar denim is the perfect mix of comfort, style, and stretch. Historically, I haven't been much of a denim guy, but I like these Dewar jeans because they aren't so stiff. I have the performance denim athletic straight style in the heritage rinse color. I've been wearing these to games. I brought them on the road trip I was just on because I figured I can wear them to the game. I can wear them out to dinner. Dewar also makes stretch performance denim and lifestyle apparel for both men and women. They're made from natural fibers for high stretch, breathability, moisture absorption, complete with temperature-regulating antimicrobial properties to feel fresh, cool, and dry. From the performance denim to the no-sweat jogger, I can find a pair that fits any occasion. Plus, Dewar values sustainability and uses 85% plant-based materials for natural softness and comfort. Upgrade your wardrobe and order your own pair of Dewar jeans today. Check out Dewar's flagship stores in LA or Denver or shop online at shopdoer.com slash Moore. Right now, my listeners can get 15% off site-wide when you use my special URL, shopduer.com slash Dane Moore, all one word, my name. This is an awesome deal. Don't wait to get 15% off. Go now to shopduer.com slash Dane Moore. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. 
That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, so yesterday, Shams and Woj and all the newsbreaker guys reported that uh, a memo was was sent out to the league uh, that the the previous salary cap estimation for next season was going to be $142 million. And it's actually going to be 141, or that's the most recent projection that the league sent to teams. I think that's noteworthy. Um, one in that 142 was sounding like a a low estimation. Um, we've been seeing the cap kind of go up by the maximum 10%, and we've we've seen that the past couple of years, and we're kind of expecting, you know, okay, maybe you know it's projected at 142 now, but if it goes up by the 10%, it is, maybe it's going to be 147, 148. And, you know, for teams with cap space or the wolves, you know, navigating the tax and all those sort of things, you're like, Oh man, I hope that number comes in higher. It's going to give the wolves a little bit more flexibility. It came in 1 million lower, which I think some people are taking us. Oh no, it's even more of a crunch now for the wolves. It's not more of a crunch. It's just not more of a cushion. If, if that right. makes if that right. makes sense, um, the one million difference leaves you in the same place as as you were before. In that, it's just going to be impossible to re-sign Mike Conley without going into the the second apron there, which comes with other penalties. Along with just like I think we're so focused on all the penalties of the second apron, like no mid level, no taking more money back in trades. Maybe your draft pick gets frozen if you're in it for multiple years. The biggest thing with the second apron is it costs so much money to pay the tax. Right. Like, what I think what some people don't understand is they think exceeding the second apron is when you start paying the tax. No, 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 no. The Wolves are already certainly paying the tax. The luxury tax line is way in their rearview mirror. They're already yeah. for sure over the first apron, which comes with some restrictions. What we're talking about now is the second apron that if they bring back Mike Conley, they're almost certain uh, to exceed, and uh, that was that was the case before. So nothing nothing changed. It's going to be tough. Yeah. It's going to be impossible to bring Mike Conley back uh, without making other cap you know, cost cutting moves um, and staying underneath the second yep. apron. We knew that, but the other factor to this that totally negates the one million dollar difference is Carl. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards' next contract was directly tied to a percentage of the salary cap, right? So we knew Ant was going to get 25% of the salary cap. We knew Carl was going to get 35% of the salary cap, or Ant was going to get 30% of the salary cap if he makes All-NBA. And what this just does is it, it, it ties those percentages to a slightly lower number. And so for Carl, it takes this deal down $350,000 for next year, and Ant if he makes all an NBA 300,000 for next year. So that's 650 K off of the 1 million he lost. It's we're, we're in the same spot. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. You're in the same bad spot. You were before 300 K right. different. It, it, that that's not the difference. What we do know now is Carl Anthony Towns next contract will be for four years, $221.1 million. That's the number now that we know. And Ant his contract will be five years, 204.45 million. If he doesn't make all NBA. And if he does make all NBA, it'll be five years, 245.34. So 
So we know the number is about 41 million now that Ant has on the line tied to making All-NBA. I think that's really the most newsworthy thing here. Everything else about the Wolves cap situation already kind of was what it was. That's, and that's just where we're at. Carl and Ant each having, you know, in the life of their contracts, one or $2 million shaved off the 200 some million dollar total. So Mm -hmm. nominal, nominal difference, but I just figured we should probably mention that. Yeah. When I saw that, I was, I, I basically shrugged when I, when I saw it, I'm like, that, that doesn't really change anything. Mm Mm-hmm for them next season. If it had gone up significantly, I would have been like, well, that's interesting or down significantly. But yeah, that, that makes almost, almost zero difference. Um, You know, I think it's been interesting now that we've hit the more than halfway point of the season that what we could all kind of see coming last summer related to like this 65 game threshold for awards, um, all NBA, which is tied to contracts is starting to catch up to some of the players and they're they're starting to realize oh yeah i might not make you know i might not play in 65 games so tyrese Tyrese Halliburton, yeah right now and that's significant because that's one less player in the mix potentially if he doesn't get to 65 games one less player in the mix for a backcourt all nba slot i didn't even think about it from that angle i just thought about it from him losing for yeah so, but like that, that clears the way for Ant to maybe get one of those spots if, if Tyrese yeah. Halliburton is ineligible to, to get it. So you know that that sort of stuff it all it all is tied together and, and matters. Um, Ant has only missed uh, three games himself. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously he could, ha- you know, knock on wood, but he could have some sort of. 10 plus 12, 12 game injury at some point that would eliminate him from that. But you're, you're right. The, if Tyrese Halliburton isn't going to be able to make an all NBA spot that opens one up. And if Ant, if it came to the end of the season and Ant was like the seventh guard, he's now the the sixth guard. And like we yeah. said, that's uh that's a $41 million difference on his contract. And for next season that, yeah, this is probably the most important part. It bumps the salary up by about uh, seven million dollars for next year. Yep. Which you go from right now, if the Wolves let Mike Conley leave, they let Kyle Anderson leave, uh, they waive the non-guaranteed contracts of Shake Milton and uh, Troy Brown Jr. Team has about thirteen million in space between the the second apron to round out the the rest of their roster. Well, if Ant bumps up by 7 million. I mean, it's now you're just, it's impossible. There's, there's absolutely, you can't even, you couldn't even fill out the rest of the roster with minimums and stay uh, beneath the the second apron there. So I think that the takeaway from all of this is is we have some more finite numbers um, that are still projections, but um, the most recent numbers uh, to have there. And knowing that as great as it would be for Anthony Edwards to uh, make all NBA, it, it increases the likelihood of being in the second apron drastically. And that in turn increases the likelihood of making some other uh, cost cutting move, which obviously a lot of people attach to Carl um, for a potential trade, but it's, it's, it's not just Carl. It's all the guys that would, you know, hurt to leave the quote unquote cost cutting moves. You know, you could, uh, 
you know, pretty obviously trade Nas Reed into someone's cap space for and get picks back for that if you needed to shave money. Jaden McDaniels, those sort of things. Like these are those are the uncomfortable conversations you're going to have have to have if you're the Timberwolves. If you decide that the second apron is aligned to be drawn in the sand, which we don't know, you know, um, there's certainly a world where they just go, yeah, no, we're, we're close. We're going to pay that second apron additional tax for for next season. It's un- extremely unlikely that right. they stay above that line in perpetuity. Uh it's just such a high number, man, that I wouldn't <laughs> I'm not going to be super begrudging Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie if they do, because we're talking about 50, 80, I mean, depending on who you bring back, just a mm. massive, massive uh luxury tax payment. So that all came into a little bit uh more more focus this week. And it's a it's a good point uh with Tyrese Halliburton potentially opening up a spot for Ant, which pinches his team uh, a little bit more. Yeah, but there's to our to your point, and we've been kind of saying this, it's like there's so much that has to play out the rest of the season mm-hmm. about where they're actually at as a franchise that will factor into what they do in the offseason. Yeah. Um, and so, like, none of that is set, nothing is set in stone, you know, as it relates to what's going to happen over the summer. You know what? Uh, so, when I, you know, I tweeted out something about this yesterday and it breaks out into a, you know, a handful of different conversations about what justifies going uh, into the second apron for next season. And there's a lot of, well, if it, they lose in the first round, for sure not. You know, the second round, maybe. If they go to the conference finals, absolutely. I don't think about it that way. Like, okay. I, I just think there's, like, that's a limited process, right? Like, I think there needs that needs to be kind of approached with a little bit more nuance. Like, let's just say exactly what happened last year in the playoffs happens again in this this year's playoffs in, in the sense that Nas Reed is out, Jaden McDaniels is out, and Kyle Anderson ends up being out midway through the series. Like, if you get that bad luck hand again and you lose in the first round does that mean you weren't a team that wasn't was going to go to the western conference finals if you were full at full strength you know like yeah i i understand the optics would be terrible of losing in the in the first round and all of that but my hope would be that through tim conley through chris finch through the ownership group that they can one way or the other have a sober conversation about where are we actually at? Where can we put together reasonable projections, estimations, blah, 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 about this team to determine how we want to move forward? And even that is too. What if they, you know, if they get to the Western Conference Finals, but it's a little bit fluky, maybe they play a team, you know, they play the Nuggets and Jokic randomly gets hurt in the series and they end up beating them and going to the Western Conference Finals. Look at the Lakers, you know, sure. for that, for that, you know, what Lakers make the Western Conference Finals. They say, oh, yeah, we're close. Let's run it back. And, and now they're 24 and 25. Whoops. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. So mm-hmm. th- that's all I'm saying is like, I don't think it needs to be, or I think there's just a danger in general in everything of making results based, exclusively results based decisions you know and um that's why i think it's so important to be honestly assessing this team day to day if you're tim conley and 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 putting together again a sober analysis 
of what this team is and what this team isn't for the better or for the worse, for the justification of more tax or for the justification of not paying it and maybe then paying it in a couple more years when Ant's 25 or something like that. Um, I'm just not going to, I don't know, I guess we'll see. I'll see how I feel when it's whenever the Wolves are season does end. But I don't know. I, I, I think we're, it's a little bit oversimplified in my, in my opinion right now. Sure. Sure. I get that. And we've often heard Connolly kind of say that, like, and I think Finch also says this when it relates to the progress of young players, it's like everything is not linear. Like it's not, not everything is in the NBA is not a gradual, just you're ramping up to becoming a title winner. Like it, it, things go in fits and starts in the league and, Mm -hmm. And it's it's more up and down, um, and you have to tr- have to try to kind of block out the noise of what's real and what's not. Um, and you know, I, I think you won't just be like zooming in on what happens in late April and May. You, you'll be zooming in on okay, we've had two years of this now, yeah. or you know, if you want to take Carl's injury out of it, we've had like a year and a half of it. By the time they'll get there, and it's like, what do what do we really think of what's gone on here for the last two years? Maybe as opposed to what happens in the next three months. Here, well, they they kind of brought that mentality last year, right? Yeah, where it was yeah. like, all right, you, you all don't think the Gobert trade was a good idea. We're actually, you know, going mm-hmm. to run it back because we we think we have a good process of thinking on this, mm-hmm. and we think chaos and not having enough time, blah blah blah, like mm-hmm. led to the results not matching a realistic expectation. So I just say, you know, keep that same energy, right? Like, right, and, right. and and apply that to, to a whole new set of parameters that are coming up now a lot more uh, financially implicated. So I, I'll dig in it just for listeners in a future episode. Uh, I think I'll start doing some trade deadline stuff. And I, I just need to dig a little bit more into uh, all all the cap stuff of of where this team is before thinking about it from from a trade deadline standpoint. So maybe I'll do a separate video on that. But that's just uh, kind of where we are, just from yesterday afternoon to today uh, on on the cap things. Chris, I know we both have to get over to uh, to shoot around here. So I want to thank you for uh, coming on. And one, just writing the Nikhil story, I think that was great, and I would really recommend everybody uh, going to to check that out. Uh, over over at the the Star Tribune, I have that up on the screen right now. The title is "How Reading Transformed the Career of Timberwolves Guard Nikhil Alexander Walker." Chris, appreciate you doing it, man. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Um, all right. Uh, last thing I have is we have two tickets to give away to Friday's game uh, against the Orlando Magic. Uh, so for Patreon subscribers, send us a message on there letting us know that you are available. Uh, for a a Friday night, this Friday night's game, and we will select uh, one person at random for for two lower level tickets. So p a t r e o n dot com slash Jane Moore MBA. If you want to become a Patreon subscriber, and if you already are, um, just send us a message on there that lets us know uh, you are available for that game uh, tonight. It's Wolves Mavs. Britt and I will talk on Thursday morning about uh, what. <laughs> What happens in this Wolves game against uh, the the JV Mavs squad, and then uh, later in the week, Kyle and I will start doing some trade deadline stuff. I think is our plan. We'll see if Ant makes the All Star team on Thursday. So that's what's coming up. 
Uh, until then, he's Chris. You follow him on Twitter at Christopher Hine. You read him at the Star Tribune at StarTribune.com. Yeah, until Thursday morning, he's Chris. I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah. Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.